Alexa, play Another One Bites the Dust, Transfer Portal Edition. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. And another day passes and another Gamecock has entered the transfer portal in the midst of South Carolina beginning their preparation for their Gator Bowl matchup against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Plus, there was some positive news that did end Thursday evening on the recruiting front for South Carolina. We're going to dive into all that right here on this Friday edition of Locked on Gamecocks. So let's go ahead and get the first order of business out of the way with Gilbert Edmond officially entering the transfer portal, which I believe brings the Gamecocks now up to eight or nine players who have entered the portal since this current window opened up earlier this month. And my overall thoughts on Gilbert Edmund entering the portal was, um, you know, I was admittedly surprised by this move. But at the same time, at this point, this move validates the changes that have happened in college football. And here's what I mean by that. I'm by no means saying that, you know, I don't believe that NIL hasn't played a big role in the transfer portal. Trust me, I am not that naive to think that. And I'm not trying to convey that with what I am saying here. But my whole point with uh, the NIL space and what all is now going on with the transfer portal where kids can pretty much just up and leave one time completely free, not having to you know sit a year, it's having a drastic change on college football as we speak. And it's reached a point where even with players who are on a team that you wouldn't think would enter the transfer portal for those kind of reasons – you cannot sit there now and trust that those kind of players themselves even aren't going to enter the portal. Now, I want to make it clear. I'm not trying to say that that is the exact reason why Gilbert Edmund has entered, but it's just like the Marshawn Lloyd situation. It was very sudden, very quick. There wasn't really a whole lot of um, preceding events that led into this happening. Gilbert Edmund was not some guy that was misutilized as far as I'm concerned. I mean, this was a guy that started the majority of the games in 2022. I believe he started all the last 10 games after Jordan Strahan, of course, tore his ACL against the Arkansas Razorbacks back in week two. And as I'm going to get into in just a couple minutes, Gilbert Edmond, in my opinion, had a pretty solid season. I'm not going to sit here and make it out like, you know, Gilbert Edmond, you can't find another guy like him out there. I'm not going to sit there and say that. But again, Gilbert was a solid player on this defensive line this year. And the thing is, I enjoyed getting to see Gilbert Edmond speak to the media because with how this guy talked and interacted with people, at least in that kind of setting, 
you got the feeling that Gilbert Edmond is a really good guy. He's a really intelligent football player. And as far as I can tell from the outside looking in, this is also a guy that is a really good teammate. He is someone that really takes the game of football seriously. And yet, when you take all that into account and you see a move like this being made, what's very clear now is this. If you have some people that get in your ear about potentially considering your options, quote-unquote, and you also have people that maybe are from a different state, maybe your home state, like in this case, that might be sitting there and going, hey, why don't you look at coming to X program? You know, you could still start there. You could probably make a little bit of dough on the side, and you'll be closer to all of us, and it'll be easier for all of us to come and see you. That all is taking place right now. And again, I'm not saying that that is exactly how this went down with Gilbert Edmond. But at this point, you have to look at it in the sense of, you know, is there anything obvious here in this situation that points to why Gilbert Edmond would transfer? And as I said earlier, the answer to that question would be no. Pretty much the same deal with Marshawn Lloyd for the most part. So it's pretty clear that there might be some outside things going on here. At this point, I'm not afraid to talk about that because, you know, again, I don't blame some of these guys if that's why they're leaving. You cannot blame them. This is just the way the system is set up now. It is. But here's what's going to happen at some point. There's going to be a high-profile player somewhere that is going to leave their current spot despite the good circumstances surrounding them. They have maybe multiple NIL deals that are in place for them. They're starting for their team. They're doing quite well on the field. They're getting good development from the coaching staff that is there. And they're going to go to a new destination. They're going to go into the transfer portal. They're going to basically say, hey, I'm, I'm in the portal. I'm open for business. And I want to get paid. And I, of course, want to be able to start all that good stuff. And they're going to go to a new school. And over time, at their new spot, the drastic changes that's going to take place in other areas that they do not seem to consider in the moment are going to eventually outweigh the reasons why the player transferred in the first place, a la NIL. And what I'm talking about there is, you know, look, when these guys are going to a new school, here's the stuff that doesn't get talked about. You got a whole new coaching staff that you're now that you now gotta get to know that you're gonna be playing for. You got an entirely different scheme potentially that you're gonna be playing in. Is that scheme gonna be good for your play style? Is it gonna play for your strengths? What about some of the new teammates? You gotta form whole new bonds for the most part with some of these teams. You might know some guys on that squad. Maybe that's part of the reason why you're there in the first place, but you're not going to know the majority of those guys like you did the guys that were on your old squad. You're playing in a new environment. At some point, there's going to be some high-profile players that are going to make this kind of decision. They're going to go somewhere else, and within the first couple of weeks, maybe a fall camp or maybe the first couple of games, they're going to sit there and go, I made a horrific mistake. This, this was not worth it. It really and truthfully wasn't worth it. It's going to happen at some point. It really and truthfully is. And it's sad because you do not want to see one of these college kids go through something like that. But it seems like the only way that some of these kids are going to really start to understand that is by an event like that happening to a star player. 
where it's like they probably would have been a first-round pick at their current destination, but then they chased something at a different school, they went there, and then all of a sudden, things didn't work out in their favor. And now, you look at the NFL draft, and maybe instead of a first-round pick, they're now viewed as a day-three pick. It's going to happen at some point. And again, I want to make it clear. I'm not saying that that's completely the reason why Gilbert Edmond left, but we got to be honest with ourselves at this point. Something like that happening, I think it's pretty easy to narrow down what might be going on behind the scenes there. So what did the Gamecocks lose in Gilbert Edmond? Edmond was a sound technician here. Uh, he really developed this season playing in place of the injured Jordan Strahan. He finished with nine tackles for loss and two sacks. He had gotten a lot better in rush defense. And it leaves the Gamecocks in a tough spot from a depth standpoint at the edge position. Brian Thomas Jr., who's a true freshman this year, is now probably going to have to start for the Gamecocks when they take on the Fighting Irish in Jacksonville. Jordan Birch, of course, is starting at the other edge spot. Tyreek Johnson and Hot Rod Fitton are two backups at those positions. They're probably going to have to play a lot more snaps in this game. Tyreek Johnson has played sparingly in some games this season. Hot Rod Fitton has not played a whole lot of snaps this year. It's going to be interesting to see how the coaches game plan around this because they are facing one of the best left tackles in all college football in Joe Alt from Notre Dame in this matchup. And I don't know if you want to put a true freshman in Brian Thomas Jr., who I think is a little shy of 250 pounds against Joe Alt right there. So you might see Jordan Birch get moved from the left side of the defensive line over to the right side. There's going to be a whole menagerie of decisions that are going to have to be made by this defensive coaching step. We'll, of course, see what all happens with that as they get closer to the Gator Bowl. Now, speaking of the Gator Bowl, the Gamecocks began their bowl preparations on Thursday afternoon as they took the practice field in their indoor practice facility because of some of the inclement weather that took place earlier in the day. And I was very fortunate to be able to watch the first five periods of practice. And I had a few observations that I took away from my time in the building. And I'm going to discuss all of that with all of you in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. But before we dive into what all happened in the Gamecocks' first bowl practice, I do want to let you all know that today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional league and amateur league out there, from football to basketball, soccer, and esports. Bet Online has got it all, even sports podcasts. You can find those at Bet Online as well. They remain the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix in. So head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more because Bet Online is where the game starts. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. I want to thank y'all once again for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first watch or listen here today. For your next watch or listen, I would like for you to go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, where the biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day all take place. The Locked On Sports Today podcast is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. All right, now, 
Let's dive into some of the observations that I had when at South Carolina's first bowl practice that took place in the indoor practice facility on Thursday afternoon. And admittedly, pretty much all my observations came from the offensive side of the ball because the defensive side of the ball, there really wasn't a whole lot of takeaways from what I was seeing. There wasn't really any guys besides those who are going to the NFL in Zach Pickens, Darius Rush, and I believe Cam Smith. Those guys weren't there, but that's kind of be expected in my eyes. Cam Smith hasn't officially announced that he's opting out of the Gator Bowl, but again, I think he already signed with an agent, so I kind of just had to assume that just based on the writing on the wall, he probably would not play in the bowl game. Other than those three guys, I didn't see really anybody that was notably absent from the defensive side of the ball. The same could not be said, however, for the offensive side of the ball. The Gamecocks were missing multiple players in the building on Thursday afternoon. Receivers like Antoine Wells Jr., Jalen Brooks, and Josh Van, they were not there. Offensive lineman Dylan Wonham was not there. And Lovesier Carroll at the running back spot was not there on Thursday afternoon. Now, I will say, before some of y'all freak out, some of y'all think, you know, oh my gosh, we're about to lose even more players to the portal or to the NFL draft. Just, first of all, calm down. Do not freak out. I can say this. There has been some rumblings that have since trickled out from this practice that Antoine Wells apparently was actually trying to get back to South Carolina, ran into some issue with his car, uh, some transportation problems there that pretty much prevented him from being able to get back in time for South Carolina's first ball practice. So do not worry about Antoine Wells. I don't think that there's anything real serious going on there. So you can breathe a sigh of relief in that regard. Now, I have to admit, I cannot explain completely why the other players were not there in the building on Thursday afternoon. Josh Van, obviously, you could probably just point to the sprained knee injury that he suffered against the Clemson Tigers back in the Palmetto Bowl in late November. So, of course, he probably was not going to be a participant in practice either way. He might be getting some medical work done in a different part of the building or maybe somewhere else. Or maybe he had just gotten his work done earlier in the day and he was just taking some time to rest up and be with his family. So that could have been an easy reason why he wasn't there. Can't explain Jalen Brooks, Dylan Wallman, and love C.A. Carroll. I, I can't, admittedly. So we'll see if any more information sprinkles out about those three players over the coming days. Now, when looking at the individual drills, a couple positions that I was very interested to watch in the open portion of practice was running back and tight end because obviously the Gamecocks have lost some uh, pretty key players at both of those spots. At running back, of course, Marshawn Lloyd has officially entered the transfer portal and looks like he's pretty much gone either way. And while watching the individual drills from the running back position, Juju McDowell seemed to be taking a lot of the running back one, if you want to call it that, snaps in those drills. Dante Miller was the second running back right behind him with Rashad Amos coming in right after him. Now, you might be sitting there and wondering, but what about Christian Bill Smith? Where is he coming to the fold? Christian Bill Smith was a full participant in practice. Now, Christian Bill Smith has obviously been dealing with a bad, nagging ankle injury throughout the entirety of the 2022 season from all the way back in fall camp. He was in practice. His right ankle was heavily bandaged and taped up. But when watching him in some of these individual drills, he looked pretty quick on his feet, and he also looked really good coming in and out of his cuts. So Christian Bill Smith, I think, looks a lot healthier than he probably was near the end of the regular season. So obviously it's a good sign for South Carolina because they are going to need him without a doubt in the Gator Bowl against Notre Dame. 
Now, at the tight end position, Nate Atkins, obviously, he's going to be tight end number one. He'll probably get moved around literally all over the place in the backfield as an H-back, as uh, as a running back, or in that running back spot as a potential pass protector, and probably in line with the offensive line. Behind Nate Atkins, there was a couple of interesting additions to this group. Now, one is somewhat familiar in Wyatt Campbell. Campbell obviously has been sort of going back and forth between offensive line and tight end since spring practice earlier this year. With everything that's happened to that spot recently, it seems to be a pretty good assumption to make that uh, Wyatt Campbell is going to be playing tight end for the most part in the Gator Bowl, which obviously, especially in run blocking plays, could end up helping out the Gamecocks because of the big frame he will obviously bring to that spot. Another person that was a part of this group in individual another person that was a part of the tight end group in individual work and one that quite honestly I wasn't expecting was running back DJ Twitty. Now DJ Twitty, if you recall, was a graduate transfer, I believe, from an FCS school this past off season. It might have even been from East Tennessee State, kind of like Nate Atkins, but GJ Twitty, he does offer a really big stocky frame. I believe he's around six foot, six foot one, and definitely over 200 and probably 10, 15 pounds. He's a pretty muscular guy. So DJ Twitty could end up being a really interesting option at that H back position, at least as someone who can, you know, just go out for a kickout block and, you know, be able to thwart off a defender for long enough to help give these running backs a little bit of extra cushion. So be interesting to see if DJ Twitty gets used in multiple packages in that kind of role when the Gamecocks take the field against Notre Dame on December the 30th. Now, a couple of other quick notes, mainly dealing with coaches. Offensive line coach Greg Atkins was also in the building on Thursday afternoon. He was there at practice with the offensive lineman. I did not see him after the warm-up period ended. It looked like I think he went outside with some of the Gamecocks linemen to get some work out on the outdoor field, but it was good to see Greg Atkins out there mingling around with the players nonetheless with all the health issues that he has dealt with in the past season or two. And then one last interesting note, quarterback graduate assistant coach Nick Coleman was there at Thursday's practice. Now, why does this mean anything? Well, obviously, Marcus Satterfield left to take the offensive play caller job with Matt Rule at Nebraska. And while the Gamecocks have hired Dow Loggins as a new offensive coordinator, he is not going to join the staff for the bowl game, which obviously is usually the case with these kind of situations. So somebody's got to fill in the role of being the quarterback coach. And obviously, you might think that Zeb Nolan could potentially be that guy because he's played the position, he knows that playbook really well, and he could maybe help carry over some of the success from the last two weeks into this bowl game by being the coach at that spot. But Nick Coleman, however, was still there. And the thing about Nick Coleman is he's accepted a position on Trent Dilfer's inaugural staff at UAB. Trent Dilfer was just hired by the Blazers not too long ago. And Coleman is fixing to leave Columbia and head over to Birmingham to be a part of that program. But he's still sticking around. So maybe Nick Coleman's going to serve as the interim quarterback's coach for this bowl game. Again, speculating completely in that regard. But it was interesting to see that he is still in the building with the Gamecocks when we were there for the open portion of Thursday's practice. So that's pretty much all I had. And none of the other practices in Columbia are going to be open to the public or open to the media in any way, shape, or form. We will have some interviews coming up after some of these practices next week between Tuesday and Thursday before the Gamecocks eventually will leave 
for Jacksonville around Christmas time. Now, obviously, South Carolina fans have probably felt like the last couple weeks have just been a series of gut punches in terms of the guys that have left the program, the way in which a couple of these guys have left the program, the fact that, you know, the offensive coordinator hire took at least a decent amount of time, and fans are wanting some really, really good news to lean on heading into the next day. Well, Shane Beamer gave Gamecock fans good reason for that late on Thursday evening as he tweeted out two welcome homes. Who could the welcome homes be? We're going to try to decipher through all of that in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. But before we touch on that, I do want to let you all know that today's show is also brought to you by our friends at the NHTSA or National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Now, obviously, throughout football season, you've probably done a lot of tailgating which probably also means you've done a lot of drinking. And when you get to that point where you're ready to go on back home, you know, you might think that you are going to call for a ride, but then decide that you're not too far away. So you're going to be okay because it's no big deal because, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You get pulled over. Maybe your insurance goes up. Maybe you lose your license. Maybe you lose your job. Maybe you total your car, a car that you just bought within the last couple of years or even worse, way worse. You hurt or kill someone. Everyone knows the risk of driving drunk because the results are often tragic and deadly. However, that doesn't still prevent people from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few too many drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride from a friend or an Uber. Anything but getting behind the wheel inebriated. Because it only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. All right, so as I mentioned earlier, Shane Beamer tweeted out two different welcome home tweets on Thursday evening. So, of course, the first question that every single fan asks when these tweets are posted is, who could the commitments be? Well, we know one thing. Both of these commitments are two 2023 commits because they use the hashtag for the 2023 recruiting class in both of these tweets. So the next question is this, are they 2023 high school prospects or are they potentially 2023 transfer additions? I think that both of these commitments are transfers and here's why. Firstly, I don't think there's any 2023 high school prospect right now that would fit the current situation of committing to South Carolina. Some people would maybe sit there and say, I think it's quarterback Lenora Sellers out of South Lawrence High School here in South Carolina. But the thing is, there's been a lot of discussion recently surrounding Lenora Sellers, and I think he's getting ready to play in the Shrine Bowl, which is sometime maybe this weekend upcoming. And there's been a lot of discussion about, is he going to stick with Syracuse or is he going to flip to South Carolina? And the thing is, Syracuse is not giving up this recruiting battle without a fight. They did lose offensive coordinator Robert Anay to NC State, but they did promote their quarterback coach, I believe Josh Beck is his name, to the offensive coordinator position. And from what I have seen in doing some of the reading on Lenore Sellers recently, him and Coach Beck up at Syracuse have a very, very close relationship from coach to player. 
So, I have to admit, y'all, I don't know if it is a complete guarantee that the Gamecocks are going to get Lenora Sellers. And, of course, I know that that would be a real blow in South Carolina fans' minds because Lenora Sellers, if you watch some of his film, it's easy to see pretty quickly that Lenora Sellers, he, he is a different guy at quarterback. This is a dude that, if he gets developed and he has a couple of areas of his game refined at the collegiate level, this is an NFL talent. This is a guy that is a great athlete, he's got a great arm, can throw the ball on the run like it is nothing, and just needs to quite honestly be in a system that develops him more as a quarterback and not put him in high-risk situations constantly by using his legs as much as, of course, South Florence has. Granted, it's high school ball compared to college ball. But getting back to the original point, I don't think it's Lenora Sellers right now. I think if Lenora Sellers was going to make a decision to maybe flip to South Carolina, it could carry out all the way to the February signing day period. So we'll see if it's Lenora Sellers. I just don't think it is. Now, Ola Watson, Babalade, and Nicholas Harbour are a couple of other prospects the Gamecocks have pursued to a great extent. Of course, Babalade decommitted from South Carolina earlier this weekend. Some would potentially think that, you know, hey, maybe he's jumped back into the fold. Maybe he took a couple days to think on it and he decided, you know what, I want to stick with South Carolina. My thing is, I just don't know if Shane Beamer would make a tweet about that. I just, you know, obviously that's a little bit of a stretch right there to think that deeply into it, but I just don't think that Coach Beamer would do that. Nicholas Harper, I think that it's been made clear at this point, he's going to let his recruitment carry out all the way to the February signing day period because Maryland's pushing hard for him. I believe LSU's still trying to talk to him. Michigan and South Carolina, those four teams seem to be the four that are mainly in contention for Nicholas Harbor at this point in time. So I don't think it could be either of those two natives from the DMV region. And then the only other, I guess, possible high school or JUCO prospect that could be one of the two welcome homes here would be defensive tackle Elijah Davis. But the thing is, he just came off of a visit to Knoxville this past weekend or two weekends ago and Elijah Davis seemed to have a pretty decent time up there in Knoxville so that's not to say of course that South Carolina isn't going to get him at the end of the day he is a South Carolina native and the Gamecocks are going to need at least another defensive tackle in this class because they are losing Zach Pickens and they are getting to a point where they're going to have a lot of upperclassmen at that spot for the next couple of years when you look at Tonka Hemingway about to be a senior Alex Huntley is about to be a fourth year player I believe T.J. Sanders, Nick Barrett about to be third-year players, so on and so forth. So you do need to get some more young guys in order to offset the future losses you are getting ready to face at that position. Elijah Davis would definitely help out a great deal in that aspect. But again, I just don't think that he is one of the two commitments here just based off of some of the recent events with his recruitment. Now, the only other thing I will say about the two welcome homes I am sure about one thing. At least I'm pretty confident. I think that one of these commitments is Arkansas transfer tight end Trey Knox. Because, look, the connections here are quite obvious. Dow Loggins, who was his position coach the last two years at Arkansas as their tight ends coach, just took the offense coordinator position at South Carolina. Loggins is a self-proclaimed people person. He says that he focuses on building relationships and not trying to sell products 
when it comes to talking to maybe current players, especially recruits and prospective future players and things of that nature. And I do get the sense that based off his track record that Dow Loggins is indeed someone who has really close bonds with the players that he coaches. So I could see from a relationship standpoint how Trey Knox would want to play for Dow Loggins, especially if knowing the football mind that he has, maybe he thinks that he could do some big things here at South Carolina being the offensive coordinator here. It definitely wouldn't hurt South Carolina when you look at it from that aspect. And then obviously... Justin Stepp, if you follow recruiting closely enough, back in the 2019 recruiting class, when Trey Knox was a big-time prospect coming out of the state of Tennessee, there's a lot of teams vying, of course, for his signature. Arkansas, of course, won out at the end of the day. His primary recruiter at that time, Arkansas wide receivers coach, Justin Stepp, who now is wide receivers coach at South Carolina. Justin Stepp, I don't really need to get too deeply into this, but St. Bill's Dow Loggins, he is a massive players coach. Guys love to play for him. Coach Step is someone that really cares about building bonds with his players. I mean, Traylon Burks, who got drafted in the first round of the NFL draft this past spring, had Coach Step at his NFL draft watch party. He went all the way out there to Arkansas to watch Traylon Burks get drafted. It was one of the first people to congratulate him afterwards. That just speaks volumes as to just how much Coach Step pours into these players and just how much he loves his players. So you look at it from just a connection standpoint. It would make a lot of sense for Trey Knox to be one of these two commitments. Obviously, at the time of this show recording, there has not been any reports made about either of these commitments. But it is definitely welcome news if you're a South Carolina fan because of everything that has happened recently. Uh, to get a couple of new additions for the 2023 class, it'll be interesting to see who these commitments are, I'm sure that we will hear more about both of those guys in the coming days. But with that being said, y'all, that is going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. What are your thoughts on Gilbert Edmund entering the transfer portal? And quite honestly, what's going on with the transfer portal overall right now in college football? What are your thoughts on some of the observations that I mentioned to all of you regarding South Carolina's first bowl practice? And also, who do you think the two welcome home commitments are from Thursday evening? Let me know all of your thoughts down below in the comment section. If you're watching today's show on YouTube, you can also shoot me a message at A-Line underscore SC on Twitter, and I'll try to respond to your message as quickly as I see it. And don't forget to make Locked On Sports today your second watch or listen now that you have watched or listened to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Thank y'all once again for tuning in to today's show. I hope that you have a great rest of your Friday and a fantastic weekend. And I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.